Lots of news surrounding the Ducks right now, and most of it is good. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. So, Oregon beat Washington. In basketball, that's one piece of good news. I don't think I could have handled another close loss to the Huskies in which Oregon had a late lead. So shout out to Oregon men's basketball. Jermaine Kuznar, Jackson Shellstead, Kwame Evans Jr., they led the way all in double figures. Shellstead had 18. That guy's really good. But on the football front, Tez Johnson is back. And that is great news for the Ducks. So Tez Johnson transferred in this offseason from Troy. You may have heard. If you're an Oregon fan, this is going to be a piece of breaking news. I'm going to break this for, to you for the first time. He's Bo Nix's adopted brother. I know it's crazy. I know. I know. We've never heard it before. But alas, though I say that jovially because I understand why broadcasters repeated it, repeated it seemingly ad nauseum throughout the course of this year. It is a running joke amongst Duck fans that I think we all appreciate. But Tez Johnson is back, and that is a great thing for Duck fans. He set the Oregon single-season record for receptions. Franklin had the record. Franklin has the record for yards and touchdowns. But Tez Johnson, by way of playing in the Fiesta Bowl, moved past him because those were Bo Nix's top two targets this year, and Tez Johnson was utterly fantastic. So having him back in the offense – Gives you a playmaker. Oregon's got their punt returner. I don't know if they'll slide him over to the kick return spot. I'm curious to see what happens there. But I thought he did a nice job in the punt return game this season, which was not something Oregon really had uh, the year prior. But he was such a reliable target. Great hands. Great route runner. Did a lot of his work from 15 yards and in as it pertained to the line of scrimmage. But guess what? I think every good offense has that sort of guy. If you're talking about, you know, a standard, traditional, but also really good offense, you got two guys on the outside that can push the field vertically and put pressure on the back end of a defense. And you got a guy who is your underneath go-to slot route runner. That's Tez Johnson. Now, the plus factor with him is sometimes he took that underneath stuff and turned it into a big play. And Bo Nix, of course, was really, really good at making the right reads and putting the ball in his guy's hands so that they could run after the catch. Few guys were better at that than Tez Johnson. I think him and Troy Franklin, 1A, 1B. You put them in whatever order you're like in terms of yards after the catch this year. They were both really good. And having Tez Johnson back, that's a big piece of news for the Ducks. This is a receiving core that I think is good, that I think as it stands right now is good going into next year. Sure, you take a step down without Troy Franklin, but if you have Tez Johnson in there as just such a reliable weapon, I think that's really good news for the Ducks, and I'll talk about what that means for Dylan Gabriel in a moment. But a couple other transfer portal slash NFL draft pieces of news that we have not, or that we have, one we have, one we have not heard about. Casey Kelly is in the transfer portal. He came in this offseason from Ole Miss. He was Oregon's number three tight end consistently. 
he caught a touchdown against Colorado. Mm-hmm. I feel like he might have had one more, but you know, he was mostly a guy that was in there to block and he did a good job. He he did a good job. I never felt he was a liability. I never felt he was a massive playmaker. That's not what he was really brought in for, but he had a good solid season with the Ducks did what he was asked to do, did what Oregon needed him to do. And he probably wants to go somewhere because I think he's got a little more potential than what, you know, statistically than what he did at Oregon this season. His his receiving role was rather limited. He can be more productive than that if he goes to the right spot. So he's in the transfer portal wishing him all the best. I think that means, I hope that means what I think it means, which is that Kenyon Sadiq is going to be a regular part of Oregon's tight end room next year. And he was a semi-regular part this season. You know, he he had a couple jet sweeps. He got the pop pass in the Fiesta Bowl. He had another touchdown this year. He had the key block on Bo Nix's touchdown run against Washington State. We'll see. I'm really high on that guy's potential at the tight end position. He, he's a fantastic athlete, and he, you know, he just showed glimpses this year of things you can do with him offensively. You just can't do with other guys. I mean, he showed the potential to block. He 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 can catch the ball. He's got a hybrid wide receiver type body. There are not a lot of tight ends you can hand off hand the ball off to on a fly sweep. Kenny and Sadiq, one of those guys. So maybe that's what it means. Maybe not. We'll talk about Terrence Ferguson and his looming decision later in the show. But that's kind of my initial reaction is, you know, Kelly was solid and Kenny and Sadiq could slide in. Now, reportedly, Evan Stewart is going to come on a visit this weekend to the Ducks. That's a wide receiver from Texas A&M, former highly touted recruit out of high school. Really talented guy. You heard me say earlier, I like this receiver room. And guess what? I do. Because I think it is good. I think Treshawn Holden can't be a Troy Franklin because Troy Franklin is a unique talent. But can he be a lot of what Troy Franklin was? I believe he can be. I think Holden, I've compared him to Jordan James, and I will keep driving that message home until everybody understands it, every single Oregon fan in the world. Jordan James had a defined role, thrived in it, but I felt like he could do more if given the opportunity. And if given the opportunity, I think Treshawn Holden can be a 1,000-yard receiver for the Ducks as the number one go-to guy. That's how I feel. I'm really high on him. That being said, If you have the opportunity to bring in a guy of Evan Stewart's caliber, it's hardly an opportunity I expect the Ducks to pass on. Because in the transfer portal era, with injuries and transfers and just wanting to have as much talent as possible, you don't really say no to a guy like that. Just like with Dorian Singer, though, the former Arizona leader, or he he led the Pac-12, I think, in receiving yards two years ago at Arizona. He vanished on the depth chart at USC this year. He's in the portal. If you brought him in, I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I mean, look at Gary Bryant Jr. last year. I didn't think the Ducks needed him. He had a really good year. And he was above Chris Hudson on the depth chart. They felt he was better. Statistically, you know, Hudson was more productive in 2022, but he was in a different position in the offense. And I think Bryant is a little bit better than Chris Hudson. So I think that when you look at what Evan Stewart can bring to the receiving room, if suddenly your top guys are Stewart and Holden, and then you've got Tez Johnson in there, you've got Gary Bryant in there, and then you've got Kyler Casper and Jurion Dickey, that's an even better receiver room. But if you told me it stays put right now, I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that, and I think you can do well offensively. 
and continue Oregon's streak of scoring at least 30 points a game. They, they have done so uh, every, they did so in every game this season. That's no small feat. Now that was with Bo Nix back there, but when you bring back a lot of the same receivers, potentially the same top tight end, a lot of the same offensive linemen, couple of the same running backs, bring in a productive, experienced veteran quarterback, Oregon's offense can be set up for success once again going into next year. So just to just to kind of recap, Tez Johnson is staying. Evan Stewart is visiting this weekend, but has not committed anywhere. And Casey Kelly is in the transfer portal. That's the latest news for the Ducks in addition to men's basketball getting the win over Washington. I was actually in the parking lot after the Southern Utah game against GCU, where former Duck Luke War uh, made an appearance for the Lopes, by the way. And I got to the car and I turned the game on and I just sat there and watched the end of it. And I tuned in right with 90 seconds to go and was just absolutely glued thinking, oh my gosh, we have a late lead against Washington. Where have I seen this before? But Dana Altman and company got it done. Shout out Jermaine Kuznart and the guy in Washington who missed an open three that likely would have won them the game. But what does Tez Johnson's return mean? For Dylan Gabriel, all good things. All good things come to those who go check out FanDuel as well. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. How big does the bet have to be? This many. One palm, five fingers, that's it. And you get 150 in bonus bets whether you win or lose. Does it get any better than that? I don't know how it can. The app is super easy to use. They got a great interface, and there are a lot of different ways to bet. You can do live save game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, or you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best place to find popular parlays. You can do all that and much more. Visit Fandle.com slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup, like Jermaine Kuznard's game-winning layup against Washington. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. As I had my second segment sip there, I realized Jermaine Kuznard's layup, higher level of difficulty than getting 115 bonus bets at FanDuel. Yeah, just like that. It's mailbag time. I love the mailbag time. It's my favorite part of every show, which is why I encourage you to be a part of it. YouTube comments or on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. Those be the handles where you can reach me via the DMs or the mentions. Both are wide open. You can also become a Locked on Ducks insider over at Subtext, free 14-day trial. Then it is just $5 a month, and you get all sorts of perks. It is not a requirement by any stretch of the imagination. This show remains free and available wherever you listen to or watch this show. You do get priority mailbag access, which is how Bud gets his question answered first here on the show. Bud, Tez, Tez Johnson was a stud this year. Fully agree. With him returning in 2024, how much of his success... This year was due to the history with Bo Nix going back to high school and the personal chemistry between the two of them. As I've heard rumors that he was Bo's adopted brother, can we reasonably expect to see similar or improved performance from Tez next season? I think when you watch Dylan Gabriel play quarterback, as I have certainly more than I had a couple months ago at Oklahoma, I'd watched him a few times, but I I certainly watched a, a little bit more of what he did as a Sooner this past season. One of the guys he liked going to was Bob Stoops' son, whose name is eluding me, his first name, but 
he was an underneath slot receiver and Gabriel liked having him as a go-to. I think that much was pretty clear. And Tez Johnson is about as reliable of an underneath go-to who also has an explosive element to his game as you're going to find in all of college football. He'll be a fifth-year player next year, fourth or fifth-year player next year. I think he had two I think he had two seasons in Detroit, maybe three. Regardless, he's got one more year of eligibility, and he's going to be a duck. And I think that it's a great – every quarterback wants to have a Tez Johnson in their offense, a safety blanket that can also be an explosive and dynamic option at receiver. If you think of the best slot receivers in college football in the NFL, or at least the most well-known ones over the last 10, 15 years, you're – Julian Edelman's, Hunter Renfro at Clemson, Danny Amendola with uh, the Patriots and Tom Brady and whatnot. Those guys were just really good route runners. They'd catch the ball, and they Tyler Lockett is kind of this as well. Tyler Lockett, interesting comparison for Tez Johnson now that I think about it, but really good player for the Seahawks out of Kansas State. Been doing it for a long, long time. Tez Johnson is someone who every quarterback wants to have, but then he does more. Because those guys that I just listed, they're not making big explosive plays. That really wasn't what they did. They were just, they were shifty. They were smart. They were good route runners. They had great hands. He's shifty, crafty, smart, great route runner, great instincts, phenomenal hands, and he has breakaway speed. And we saw it in the spring game. It played out throughout the course of this year. Like the touchdown against Cal, when Bo Nix thread the needle, it was threaded the needle, I should say. Uh, It was cover one. And there was a, I think it was a double stick concept, but uh, Tez Johnson was running a go route. He beats his man off the line of scrimmage. Bo drops it in between the DB and the safety. Safety has a bad angle and Tez just ran away from him. Most slot possession receivers don't do that. So I think for Dylan Gabriel, this is going to be one of his favorite targets because he's every quarterback's favorite kind of target. I mean, Bo Nix threw the ball to Tez Johnson as much as Troy Franklin throughout the course of this year. And Franklin just had the best year in Oregon receiving history. And Tez Johnson was also a thousand yard receiver. I I fully anticipate Tez Johnson being statistically in the same sort of realm next year. I I think that he can have another thousand yard season with Dylan Gabriel at the helm. I think Gabriel can be a, well, Bonix was a pretty good facilitator, but when you have 2000 yard receivers, that's, you know, being insanely productive as Bonix was this past year. I think that if you if you told me right now, Oregon adds no one else to their receiving room, Tez Johnson would be the guy who I anticipate being the leading receiver. Because you know what else he's got? Familiarity with the staff and the playbook. And Will Stein has got familiarity with Tez Johnson. He knows how to use him. You know, little pop passes here and there. They didn't really do screen passes with him, but the, the routes that he ran and what he was good at, when to get him the football, Stein was really good at that. And I think that's just going to be rinse and repeat next year. And I fully expect Dylan Gabriel to use Tez Johnson the way that Bo Nix did this season, which is, yeah, if I've got a one-on-one and he's running a slant or an option route, I'm going to give him the football, especially if it's on a safety or a linebacker. That's a matchup you take every day of the week. And, you know, every now and then he'll he'll, he'll find some space He'll thread the needle with his speed through the defense and just kind of carve him up for a big game. But I I think for Gabriel, it's just got to be such a comforting fact to come in and know, okay, he's he's going to be there for me. And that's a reliable option that I've got in the game and an explosive one. Reliable and explosive 
in the Tez Johnson sense, when you're talking about slot receivers, that does that combination doesn't come around very often. So I think it's great for Dylan Gabriel, and I think that it's great for Oregon's offense writ large that Tez Johnson is coming back. That would have been quite a void. That, that would have been quite a void to fill, but Tez Johnson being there, that's a really good thing for the Ducks and, and Oregon's new quarterback next year. The next NFL decision Oregon fans are waiting on is Terrence Ferguson. And T. Ferg, as I record this show late on Thursday night, has not announced. The deadline to announce is January 15th. So we could be waiting on this one. He could be getting feedback from the, the scouting community and understanding what his draft grade is, what he might you know be able to work on next year if he came back for a fourth season. But you know, T. Ferg's been kind of an old school recruit in the sense that he was a four-star guy coming out of high school. He played a little as a true freshman. He played more as a sophomore. He was even better as a junior. And now he's deciding, do I go to the NFL or come back for my senior year to maximize my draft stock? And, you know, I could see it going either way with him. I mean, as a pass catcher, his hands are fantastic. Like the number of contested catches he made this year, I can think of one drop he had all season, and it was against Texas Tech. He had, I think he had one drop all season and the number of contested catches he made, I think of, you know, the corner route against Utah or the fourth and two play action seam shot against Stanford when the DB is trying to punch the ball out, the one handed snare in the Pac-12 championship game. I, I look at him and the way that he was used on screen passes, the way that he was involved in the offense throughout the year, the production he had and just the plays that he's able to make. And the ability he's got to break tackles and be physical, get downfield. I look at guys that go in the NFL and have success, and I just think to myself, why can't that guy do it? I mean, I, I think that he's, you know, making this decision for for a reason, one way or the other. And I think it's to maximize his pro career because I think he's going to have one. I, I think that guy can be a really solid tight end. I don't know how the NFL views him in the blocking sense. From what I've seen from him, he's really good in that sprint out concept that Oregon's run a lot the last two years uh, with Bo Nix, in which you know you you slant the offensive line all to the left, and then you sprint out Bo Nix naked to the right, and then you leave the defensive end unblocked, and then the tight end you know has the leverage to be turned and just square up and make that block. He was money on, on that all the time, and that set up a lot of explosive passing plays for the Ducks and. Uh, I, I think in the run blocking game, you can find some videos of him moving guys around and creating creating holes for Oregon running backs to go through. So I, I think he's he's got an NFL future. I could see him maybe wanting to come back and perhaps be a higher volume receiving target. I mean, he was under 500 yards receiving this year. He, I think, was coming up on a receptions number that hadn't been seen as a tight end since Ed Dixon. So He's someone who is really, really good. Definitely could have another gear statistically. But if he's ready to go to the NFL, then he's ready to go. But that's the next decision that we're waiting on as Oregon fans because that would arguably create a rather pressing need at tight end in the portal, at least for a Casey Kelly-like depth piece, ironically. I do wonder if Casey Kelly transferring out doesn't mean that T Ferg is coming back. And Kelly was thinking, well, you know, I could have worked my way up to be the number two tight end, but T Ferg's going to come back. So I'm going to be the number three tight end. I could see that being the case. That that would track 
in a pretty solid way. Because if T. Ferg left, but Kelly stayed, your three tight ends next year, probably Pat Herbert, Casey Kelly, and Kenyon Sadiq. Good room, solid room, mix of veteran experience and young up and coming talent. So I'm curious to see what happens there, but I would love for T. Ferg to come back. Totally understand though, if he does not, because I've always been really high on him. I think he's got an NFL future. We've still got more to get to on today's show, by the way. Of course we do. After we get to game time, of course, because you shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. And, and buying tickets for whatever purchase you're making is really easy. You do it in seconds with just two taps. One, two, just like that. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, two more mailbag questions to wrap up today's show. Before I get to them, I just want to reiterate a point that I brought up earlier this week and after the Washington game, I would like to double down on. Dana Altman is still a really good coach. And Folly Dante is a first-team All-Pac-12 player, and Oregon is 3-0 in Pac-12 play. Have they played the best teams in the conference yet? Nope, they have not. But this Oregon team right now is playing like an NCAA tournament team and they haven't had either of their potential starting centers. The guy is still really good. I am a fan, and I love this Oregon team. Really hope they get into the tournament. It's not a guarantee. Long way to go. But I hope they get in because they've got the guard play, the playmaking, and the shooting to make some noise. Let's get back into the mailbag now. This is from the best channel in the world, 4992. False name because it's not locked on ducks. So how could it be the best channel in the world? I kid, of course. How do you feel about Bo Nix competing in the Reese's Senior Bowl? I don't know that it's altering his draft stock very much. The guy has played a few college football games in his career. So I think the film out there on him is pretty darn established in terms of what he can do, what he could maybe work on. I don't know all the things that he needs to work on. Probably... I mean, I get, I guess better accuracy on the deep ball, but he hit a lot of deep shots this year. Uh, maybe showing a willingness to push the ball down the field more. I, I think there were definitely times where, you know, he'd lock on or too quickly come off of a particular read to, you know, get a more high percentage completion. But that's not always going to be a bad thing in the NFL. A, a lot of quarterbacking in the NFL is just take what's there. I remember, I'm a Seahawks fan, and I remember Super Bowl forty nine the Malcolm Butler game, that drive where Tom Brady went down the field against the Legion of Boom and scored the go-ahead touchdown before the disaster on the next drive for the Seahawks. A lot of those throws I remember watching going, he's not even challenging the corners. He's just taking all this underneath stuff. He's just running back on a linebacker, running back in the flat. There's a tight end crossing, right? Oh, he's guarded by a safety. Sometimes that's what quarterbacking is. And I think that some offensive coordinators don't want to really push it down the field, might look at Bo Nix and say, eh, that's not, that's not our guy. But some offensive coordinators to say, I want you, like Sean Payton of the Broncos, with Bo Nix, that's a great fit. 
That's a great, great fit. He's about scheme, design, and, and making defined reads for his quarterback and say, you just need to make this read or that read and then throw the ball accurately. That's what Bo Nix does. That's what he did in Will Stein's offense this year. I think he could be great with the Denver Broncos. I, I think that there are other spots where Bo Nix could fit. I think the Vikings are an intriguing landing spot for him, though I think the Vikings would probably go after Michael Penix because Penix's deep ball with Justin Jefferson, that just makes way too much sense. I think the Broncos would be a good spot for Bo Nix to go and get a shot to be a quarterback there. But I know we'll all be rooting for him uh, wherever he goes. And I think that for you know the Senior Bowl, he sees something to it. I don't, I don't know what exactly, like he's not going to play a ton, but you know, he just made a great last impression, but that was against Liberty. So maybe that's what he's thinking. I don't know. I don't, I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I, I don't think he'll, you know, do anything dumb to get hurt or anything like that. I think all he can do is show what a great player he is and show NFL scouts and everybody. Yeah. You should take a look at me as your franchise quarterback. Here's a fascinating, and I mean fascinating question from John. Hi, Spence. Would you prefer Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, to stay in college football or go pro and why? Thanks, Johnny the K. So the answer is go pro. This is a threefold reason. Number one, if he goes pro, he could wind up with the Chargers. Give me that for Herbert. Any day of the week. I'm so glad that that ridiculously cheap organization finally realized, hey, this Staley guy isn't very good because he wasn't. I thought that was obvious after his team blew a 27 and nothing lead last year in the playoffs and Herbert's, Herbert and company put up 30 points and lost. I That's what I thought. The Chargers viewed it differently. It didn't go well this year. Surprise, surprise. So that's the first reason. The second reason is Oregon is about to be in the same conference as Michigan. Go back and look at Michigan's record in the last 20 years in every season in which Jim Harbaugh hasn't been there. I got news for you. They're not as scary. The Big Ten has got a lot of great teams and a lot of great coaches. If you were telling me there is an option to both benefit a hashtag pro duck in Justin Herbert and weaken Michigan at the same time, who we play at the big house next year, sign me up for that. Here's the third reason, and this is not totally likely. I'm just saying they would make a phone call. Kalen DeBoer has not signed his extension yet at Washington. Probably, my guess here, and I think that I am right on this, and I have some pretty good information to indicate it's the case, they are waiting to see how this season actually ends up to determine how large of a contract extension they're going to put in front of him. Now, reaching the national championship game at Washington, which is something that they have not done before. I know they had the co-national championship back in the early 90s, but this is the first national championship game they have ever played in. That's going to get the attention of the alumni, the donors and boosters and everybody there to say, we might just give you a blank check and you tell us how much we need to pay you. If the Michigan job came open, the Wolverines would be fools to not 
give Kalen DeBoer a phone call. That would be ridiculous. By the way, they might give Dan Lanning a phone call. The difference is Lanning has already signed his contract extension and there's a big fat buyout in there. Would he take it? I don't know, maybe. But DeBoer's got a history in the Big Ten going back to his time at Indiana. Dan Lanning does not. So that would be certainly a good option for the Ducks. You'd still have to go against Kalen DeBoer. But if you're going to go against that guy, which Oregon's going to have to do one way or the other, would you rather face him at Washington or at Michigan? I know what my answer is. Because at Washington, he's pretty terrifying. And guess what? Losing to Washington, not as much fun. Losing to Michigan would be frustrating. Would it be even one one thousandth as frustrating as losing to Washington? Nope. Not even close. So I don't think that that is likely. But to say that it has a 0% possibility would also be inaccurate. So that's why I would love to see Jim Harbaugh go to the NFL. Get with Herbert. Weak in Michigan. Maybe the Wolverines then go and call Kalen DeBoer. He'd be at or near the top of the list at the very least. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.